Good afternoon, wonderful people. Good afternoon, peace and abundant blessings to each of you. Welcome to Bad Thought Therapy. This is a special episode. I just did a whole bunch of pre-recorded episodes. But um, today is Nelson Mandela's birthday. He would have turned 105 if he had been here. It was still here. And I... Um, I'm getting ready to do a little PowerPoint for the kids. You know, got to be be a teacher. Now you know I got to be a teacher. So as I was preparing for this, I was just so struck by so many things that I learned. He has some of the best quotes ever about almost everything. And I just wanted to share, um, I think they're, you know, for me, because I'm a nerd, I love biographies. I learned so much by studying the lives of people. I just did this um, eight days ago, actually, for the late, great Dr. Mayor McLeod Bethune, where I prepared a presentation. It's on our website, our YouTube, rather. And um, I was so blessed by um, her, um, her life and legacy. Here was a woman that started a school with a dollar and 50 cents And later, she ended up starting a hospital um, because she saw a need. She saw that there was something, you know, needed in the community. At that time in Daytona Beach, where I grew up, there were no black hospitals. And as you know, during her day, everything was segregated. And so uh, one of her former students almost died because the child was not getting adequate adequate care at the... um, all white or whites only hospital and she didn't complain she didn't you know she didn't you know say whoa it's me she didn't give up she didn't do what Jill Scott said she's gonna do she didn't try to leave the country because of racism Dr. Mary McLeod Bethune started a hospital now I'm from Daytona Beach and I don't ever remember learning this in school god forgive me they taught it and I just forgot but I think that would be a detail I would remember. I never learned this. And this hospital operated for 20 years. It operated for 20 years in Daytona Beach, saved countless lives. According to the research, blacks and whites work there at the hospital. And, um, it, it, you know, eventually it just closed simply because the public hospital at the time, Halifax, where my daughter was born, they agreed to allow blacks to go there, but they had it was still segregated. It was not until the 1960s that the hospital was integrated and blacks could come in the main, yeah, I guess, main part of the hospital. You know, when I think about this, it's just, it's, it's a level of evil, but it's also racism. And I've been saying this for a while. I got to really talk about this. It's a mental illness. Something's got to be wrong with you. If you go through these extremes because of the outside of a person's skin, it's just the the level of evil. And as I read these stories, it's just, it's, it's, it's disheartening, it's sad. And I'm not even angry anymore. It's, I just feel sorry for people that get up in the morning and they look at a person and they have not done anything to that person person has done anything to them and and they just hate them because of the color of their skin and you know what's ironic is even though black people have endured just horrific horrific um 
practices and and acts of violence and evil and rape. We you got black men still marrying white women, so it doesn't affect us the same way. We just don't walk around like that. Because if anybody ought to be walking around trying to take somebody out, you would think you would think it would be black people, but we're not even like that. So there's really something in our nature that's different. Um, and we really are God's people. But I tell you, that that is just some of this stuff is just horrible. I'm thinking about the pain of a child suffering from a medical condition. And this happened a lot. And just because that child was black, they were not treated. That is so painful to me. That hurts. Oh my goodness. If I think about it too long, it just hurts. It breaks my heart. And this happened. And it happened over and over again. And thousands of black people lost their lives um, because they were not able to get care. And here's the thing. Because we were not able to get that care, we should, I just want to encourage this, we should have been trying to produce more doctors. I know that was hard too, because to get the training to be a medical doctor, you had to face racism. And then on top of that, they changed. Every time we started doing something, then the rules changed. Now, maybe the rules were changing to improve practices as new knowledge was learned and you know people discovered made new discoveries about medicine the human body they're still doing that maybe they make these changes but basically you know it wasn't it after a while it was harder and harder to become a doctor like it's harder and harder to become anything but we have to remember that that we can just sit down and cry and whine and and do like Joe Scott and say we're going to leave the country or what we can do is we can create whatever it is we need and everybody can't create everything so we just have to find our lane everybody has to find his or her lane and we need to walk in that lane mine happens to be education and I you know I transitioned from my business full-time to being a full-time educator and after a lot of prayer this summer, God has really blessed me. I took some time to really heal and really reflect on what happened with my business. And the thing that I really dealt with probably more than anything else was embarrassment. I, and I did, I had to dig deep to try to figure out what emotions was I really feeling. It wasn't just the loss because in some ways there was a relief because I was no longer like every day panicking, how was I going to make enough money to pay my bills and the bills for the business? And you know, people romanticize business, but if anybody's going into business, please email me because business is not what you think. It takes an enormous amount of money to start a business and run a business. I believe that if some kind of way we had had the capital to start and maybe we had another thing I had to face is that we might have been in the wrong location and maybe if we had gotten in another place I really believe my business would still exist today but in spite of that all in spite of all of that it takes an enormous amount of money an enormous amount of effort especially on the initial side and so there are some things that I would like to share with anybody who is aspiring to be a business owner I you can learn so much now I did what the experts say do I started my business on the side. I was teaching and like during the weekends, I would do my business during the off times. I would do my business. But what happened was I got a little restless with trying to do both. And so me doing the business full time and teaching full time became a little bit overwhelming. 
And one of my jobs suffered and it was mainly teaching because at some point I was ready. I had one baby toe out the door and I was so ready to do something different. Mind you guys, I had taught for over 30 years and I love what I was doing and I love my business and I started to lean towards my business more. Let me tell you how God works. God's timing is everything. God's timing is everything. I just believe that he allowed everything to happen because one of the things I really wanted to do, because my I wasn't just focused on selling books. I was focused on saving people through literacy and learning. I believe that education can open doors and transform lives like no one else can. And there's a quote by Mandela, because I'm going to venture to talk to her. I'm getting, I'm getting there. I got to find that quote. I just, I'm on my other computer. Let me find that quote, you guys. This is a quote that I posted on all of our business pages, and I thought it was so powerful and simple. It's about education, and this is why I continue to do what I do. And I want to find this quote, and I'm coming up to Here it is. It says, no country can develop unless its citizens are educated. Now, you probably heard the quote, education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. But I thought about that. No country can really develop unless its citizens are educated. That is a very powerful quote. And I, my life personally has been transformed and by, by knowledge, by learning things. Just, just the last couple of um, weeks that I've been working on our YouTube channel, which is an educational channel mainly for children. Primarily it will be for preschool and elementary school age children. But I have learned so much. I have grown. And that's the thing. We have to commit to being lifelong learners. And in our community, we suffer like, and we're not trying to create the things that we need. So we need more medical doctors. And that's a problem that can be solved and it's solved through education. Now, you know, again, sometimes I wonder, like, you know, how do you make all this? It takes money to go to school and become a doctor. It takes a mindset to go into any profession and want to serve. Because what I learned about success as I was reflecting, and this is something that I used to joke about all the time, when we had our business, I mean, we made, we made a lot of good memories. We were very impactful. We were successful, actually. But we didn't make a lot of money. I didn't make enough money to pay my bills. And that was a really interesting life lesson about success because prior to that, I just, I don't know what happened. I just kind of associated success with also it matched your financial state. So being successful meant not only were you making an impact, but you were also making enough money to not only pay your bills, but to give out. And that just never happened. And it could have been just because it's that business, just because it's that location. I, um, I let myself consider all of these possibilities of why we failed. But then there was a point when I realized that energy was not as putting all my energy into that was not as useful to me. And so I just said, okay, I'm going to count the lessons that I've learned. I'm going to count my blessings and I'm going to pivot. And, and I'm, what, I'm, what I went all the way around to say was I'm actually doing what I want to do when I had the business. I wanted us to have a YouTube channel that would have videos, all kinds of posts, everything, just be an interactive, a great place for people to go. Because as an educator, when I'm teaching, because I haven't been in the classroom in a minute, and now I'm teaching something I really haven't really taught, um, I can't find video, a lot of videos, 
that have representation and diversity. So the people who are teaching don't look like the students I'm teaching. They don't look like the teachers with whom I work. So I wanted to create that and now I can. Now I'm doing it for you know my business, but as I get back into the school system, I'm getting ready to do some videos. It has to be done. Representation matters. And what's interesting is a couple of times, like now I teach English, so I teach literature. Before I taught French for years, almost 30 years. But what's interesting is one particular, I won't call them out, but it was one particular university. They had some great videos. But I saw very subtle forms of racism. Like this one video, I cannot remember what the guy was teaching, but he chose this poem by Claude McKay. And the poem, basically, it's a, it's a good poem within the sense that it the use of figurative language and imagery takes you into this space where these dancers, exotic dancers, are because of the use of his language. So you kind of feel what he's saying. You can visualize it. You can see it. And you can almost feel their sadness. And I thought, of all the poems so he could choose, this is where, you know, this is where maybe I'm overthinking things. He chose that poem, a poem by a black writer, and then he had the imagery to go with it. So he had a picture there. And he could have cho chosen other poems. It, it doesn't honor, for me, he might be saying, well, look, we were inclusive, we got a black poem, but it's a poem really about prostitutes. So that's the kind of thing that it irritates me, but guess what, I can do something about that. Because I can create that same thing that they're doing but I can have it positive. And that's what I just want to say to everybody. As I did this research on um, Dr. Mary McLeod Bethune, I'm going to talk about, give some quotes by Nelson Mandela. And I told you all about when I read the book, um, let me get her book out right here, right here, baby. It's called Medusa. So I'm really going to do something with this later. Simple Wisdom for Rich Living. And it's by Osceola McCarty. And she was a woman, if you don't remember, who um, she lived a very, very humble lifestyle. And as she came to the end of her life, she started thinking about, she'd been saving her money. She was a person who believed in saving. She um, she was not, a, she didn't look beyond her means. She just had very simple desires, but she wanted to give back. And guess what she did? She gave one of the largest donations to, I think it was the University of Southern Mississippi, but anyway, I'm going to be doing a lot with her. And I, I've read her book, and I'm going to read it again. And basically, this little book that I have, and it's a signed copy. Y'all, God is so good. It tells a little bit about her life, but it also gives, like, different quotes. And there's just so much to learn. But when I learn about these people, and these people have lived a long time. Like, Mary McLeod Bethune was 79. I think Osceola McCarty was in her late 80s. You know Mandela lived to be 96, I believe. So, you know, these people have lived and they've had very interesting lives. And for someone like Osceola McCarty, who was an only child, like everybody died in her family. So her parents died, her grandmother died. So she was in this world alone. Her uncle died, like everybody died. And so the strength that I'm gaining from these people, I'm telling you, you guys, you need to take the time to read about some of these people. And I'm going to be doing this video on Mandela in a few minutes, God willing. And, and I just thank God that I can do it. But anyway, I want to talk about him. Now, you know, it's so interesting because Sunday, yeah, this past Sunday, 
I was listening to an empowering message by my pastor and um, it was on persistence. And he told this story of Mandela that I didn't even know, but it was a story that um, Mandela could have, I didn't know this, but I did find out from the research today that he could have gotten out of prison if he had just changed some of his ideas, if he publicly announced that he was against some of the things that he said he was against. Because you got to understand, the South African government was um, a government that, uh, a system, a legal system of discrimination and racism, oppression, and all of that. And Mandela, um, you know, opposed it and he fought against it. And at some point after the police used violence on protesters, Mandela actually started his own um, unit to, to use violence. You know, at some point he was like, no, nah, violence isn't working. We got to use violence. Well, he was arrested and he stayed in prison for almost 30 years and he could have gotten out, but he had to change his stance on certain political views and he would not. And so he stayed in prison. It was brutal. But this is the story that my pastor told that I had never heard, and this is going to blow your mind away. So the story is that Nelson Mandela was then president of South Africa, and he was out eating with his security detail. I, I don't, you know, we call them the CIA here, but I don't know what they call them there. But he, they were out eating, and Mandela saw this man in the restaurant, and he invited the man over to eat with him. So they all ate. Everybody was silent. They were eating. And afterwards, the men, the security detail said, you know, Mandela, he must have been very ill. The man was shaking. He couldn't stop shaking. And Mandela said, no, he is not ill. Mandela said, the reason why that man is shaking is because when I was in prison and they were beating me, I would cry out for water. And instead of giving me water, that man was a warden in prison. And he urinated on me. And he thought that I was going to retaliate. I, I, I just thought I was going to lose it right here in the living room because I was at home. <laughs> I was like, wow. And that's one thing about Mandela now. It's mixed. It's kind of controversial now. Mandela, when he took office, what he was trying to do, and this is ingenious, he did not want black people to retaliate. He did not want to have this sort of, I can get back at you now attitude because what he knew was eventually it would tear the country apart. The minority South African uh, white leadership made up, I think, like one to two percent of the population. And in South Africa, they had a other, <clears throat> they had, I think, some Indians there. They had some others. So that was like maybe one percent. But then the vast majority were black South Af Africans and um and he knew that if they retaliated, but they the, the majority had the power. That's how they were able to colonize and oppress and subdue. They had all the power. And so he knew that would tear the country apart. And he didn't want that to happen. So some people don't feel good about that. And that is probably one of the reasons why he and his wife, when he ended up getting divorced, even though they suffered greatly as a result of their opposition to apartheid, um, but they, because he had a different way, he wanted to take a peaceful, forgiving, um, conciliatory type of way of healing. And I think she wanted some people to be punished. And I don't even know in South Africa if people were punished 
when they participated in violent acts against blacks during apartheid because they created this um, Truth and Reconciliation Commission. This is based on my research I did this morning. And so it was all about people coming forward, sharing their stories. It was more like a release, believe it or not. And then if anybody did commit violent acts and they admitted it, they could apply for amnesty. So that's very interesting. I do believe that some people had a problem with that because they felt like those people should be put to, you know, go to jail or suffer some kind of consequence. And some of the South Africans still have their land. Now, at one time, there was a movement to move all of them out because they benefited from their oppression and the racism. And, and, and of course, that wasn't fair. You know, if somebody has their their knee on your neck, you don't have a chance to thrive and politically, economically, socially, and so forth. And so, but there's some of them are still there. And I even saw something, you know, tell me about being a nerd where they, they have these farms, they got these dogs that they train to attack people because they know that people may try to come and take, you know, whatever they have. But really, they people still can come and take it. That little one dog is not going to stop everybody. You know, if 50 walk up in there, he can only bite one person at a time. So that's just, <laughs> that's how that is. But to make a long story short, let's get back on topic. I want to read some of these powerful quotes by Nelson Mandela. May they bless you. May they inspire you. May they encourage you. And hopefully they will, you will encourage someone else. We have to be the light we want to see in the world. And like I said, everybody can't do everything. But what you can do you can, if you can support a person trying to be light, you know, I want to get to a point where if somebody wants to go to medical school and they don't have enough money, I want my money to go towards that. You know, like I made up my mind now, just giving to a college randomly, that's one thing, but no, I want my money specifically to go to people who try to save lives, who try to heal. You got, and, and there's some people doing it. I got to find them there. Are, there was a black doctor that was going to Africa once a year or twice a year, and he was performing surgeries um, for people, just you know, bringing so much light to that place. And there are many medical doctors in Africa. Um, he would do it to some of the more impoverished areas, but it's some good in the world, y'all. It's some good in the hood. I was there, I saw it, and we just have to cultivate that so that it can grow even more. But here are some great quotes. So I read the ones on education. This is another one on education by Nelson Mandela. Education is the great engine of personal development. It is through education that the daughter of a peasant can become a doctor, that the son of a mine worker can become the head of the mine, that a child of farm workers can become the president of a great nation. Oh my goodness, that is powerful. And that's the key. He was really big on education. And I totally understand it. I get it. Um, here's another thing that he said that was really beautiful. I cherish my own freedom dearly, but I care even more for your freedom. I think he said that during the inauguration, um, he became the president in 1994. Again, I got to find, I'm going to scroll. I'm going to tell you the exact date in a few minutes. We've got this thing I'm going to do. But that was powerful. Here's an interesting fact. I want to share some interesting fact. He was a prince. His father was a chief from the tribe that they were from in South Africa. That was good. And then I found some really interesting facts. One I'm not going to include in my video presentation, but I didn't know that he had a cameo role in Spike Lee's movie, Malcolm X. It was, some, it was just a flash where Mandela was teaching some children something. 
and he was in there. He just had like a cameo role. I'm like, wow. But I'm going to give you some other quotes and some great, um, interesting facts. When he was alive, he received, oh my goodness, so many honors and awards, recognition. I mean, this man had, you know, it was Mandela Day in so many countries around the world. He got so many doctorate degrees. He got like almost a hundred honorary degrees. And for my presentation, I just could not put all of them there. So I'm going to put just some of them there. But here are some interesting, a couple of interesting facts. There is a prehistoric woodpecker that scientists named after Nelson Mandela. It was Australopithecus Nelson Mandela Live. And I thought, wow, that is interesting. Also, in 1973, the Physics Institute of Leeds University named a nuclear particle the Mandela particle. Ooh, we got love that. Now, this is one that got me. In 2015, Mandela was posthumously inducted in the World Rugby Hall of Fame. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but when Mandela took office, you know, the country was divided and torn and very emotional. And um, people just, can you imagine, you know, hundreds of years of oppression and racism and violence and all this stuff. So Nelson Mandela used rugby, the sport rugby, as a way to bring the country together. So the national team was called the Springboks, and they were hated by black South Africans. And when Nelson Mandela sort of became a fan and got into this, then he was able to bring black and white people together in a way that had not been brought before. And, um, and do you know that in 2015, this is two years after he died, they inducted him into the World Rugby Hall of Fame. Now, he never, I don't know if he played rugby, I don't think he did, but that was fascinating. Um, here are some other interesting facts. As I said, I mentioned all the degrees that he received. All right, here are some other powerful quotes because I'm running out of time. Resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. And this is just powerful. Y'all, I've learned that you have to really detox yourself of negative emotions, especially about other people, because you're never going to change them. And you, you, if you spend all your energy on them and what they did and what they said, you can become bitter, bitter and resentful, and it hurts you. It hurts the holder of these negative emotions. Here's another one. I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. That's powerful. You got to face fear and move anyway. Everybody has fear. You'd be amazed at the things that I'm afraid of, but I didn't let it stop me. I just moved forward anyway. Here you read the one on education. Here's another one. Do not judge me by my successes. Judge me by how many times I fell down and got back up again. That's another powerful one. I feel that way too as someone who has fallen many times. This is a good one. Money won't create success. The freedom to make it will. Woo-wee. I love that. Money won't make success. The freedom to make it. You have to have the freedom. And sometimes that's a little bit more complicated. Here is my favorite quote by Mandela. And when I found this quote, probably every year as a teacher, I would put this on the board. Here it is. I'm running out of time. Like slavery and apartheid, poverty is not natural. It is man-made and it can be overcome and eradicated by the actions of human beings. Woo! Isn't that amazing? Nelson Mandela was, um, he went to school to be a lawyer. He was an educated man. He was a well-read man. 
and I need to pull this up. And before, while he was in prison, he read this poem that you probably heard of by William Ernest Henley, Henley called Invictus. And I have read this poem even before I didn't even know that it was a, you know, that Mandela had gotten it and, and it was in, uh, read it in prison. And I'm going to read it to you now. It's um, by, what he wrote this in 1888. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. That old English poem is by William Ernest Henley called Invictus. They made a movie with that title that tells the story of how Mandela brought his country together using rugby. They did win the World Series, and I want to say that was 1995. They won the World Rugby Cup, and um, and so my time is up, ladies and gentlemen. The red light is on. Peace and abundant blessings. Be inspired by our ancestors. Take care.